cast your mind back to the summertime, James. You may recall yes. that for the first time in 12 years, I was violently ill because I had a scallop, which I thought was badly cooked. Right. Yeah. Right. I remembered that. Last week, we had our Pink Elephant annual dinner. Which... And you got violently ill. Don't spoil the story. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you told this story. No, no, no. Not, this is not. This is new material. Okay. Right? I sat down. I was with Graham. And I said, I looked at the menu. I thought, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to have a scallop. Not again. Because the one in June was clearly from just this pokey hipster place in the West End. It's ten days With menus old. printed on bits of papers. Yeah, that, that had been handled by clearly hundreds of people. This is one Devonshire Gardens. This is oh. the place to go for a nice dinner. They don't, like, handle it with their tongue. Right, exactly. You know, they're, they're, they're not just throwing throwing it like a Frisbee in the kitchen. You know, they're handling it with care, yeah. with love. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a scallop. Fast forward. Right. Just the one. One, literally one scallop. Okay. Fast forward seven hours later, and I am prone on the bathroom floor, ah. awaiting the eruption. Because once again, James, I was violently ill. Right. On, uh, that would have been that Friday evening. Oh, dear. Because it turns out it wasn't a bad scallop from the dodgy place in the West End. Just my body has decided it hates scallops. Which is fine by me. I don't like them anyway. Well, I just don't like the concept. (laughs) Well, now my body is against the concept too. Congrats. So that was horrible. But was, if anything, I've learned from 2021, it's that I detest throwing up but now I've you know I've done it so much this year that actually I'm quite good at it <laughs> you know like, like I can manage it without you know the, the first time it happened I was swearing in between every vom he just didn't like the experience cursing the the ground that I I sat on cursing because the it was so unpleasant plastered in vomit whereas, whereas this time <laughs> this time I had drunk a lot of water because I thought you know what right let's make this less bitty <laughs> right yeah yeah get the guzzle right so I had the technique down. Get the guzzle, hose it out. And by the time I'd uh, gone, returned to bed after my third visit to the bathroom, I was fine. I was like, you know what? I could do this in my sleep. I mean, it would pr- probably be very bad if I did it in my and sleep. And then you did. <laughs> but, you know, there's <laughs> techniques for saving people's lives if you, if you do that. Yes. But if I did, it would have been nice and fluid. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, you've, yeah. you've reached the point where scallops have fooled you once, right? Yep. Because... You went back. I did. If you go back again, shame on you. Uh, well, well, no. Now that I know, you know, I did put it down to, as I say, yeah. a subpar eatery. Yeah. But now it's been twice in the same year. Yeah. It's uh, goodbye. Crabs, lobsters, scallops, shellfish generally. Now, you're, I you, you say scallops. It. I hear a lot of people say scallops. Uh, it's, scallop is correct. All right. Okay. Just, I, I wouldn't know. I don't, I don't, seafood. I couldn't care less. Seafood, I eat it. <laughs> seafood, you like that? Yeah, that's really that's a classic. <laughs> People have been telling okay. that joke for a long time. Uh, James, also today uh-huh. uh, was the last day, or sorry, yesterday I should oh, say, uh-huh. which was uh, Tuesday, was the last day you could catch COVID and be out of isolation before Christmas. Oh. So now we're in the danger zone. We're back in. But uh, my question is, James, have you booked your booster? No. Oh, I have. I did. It's on Friday. Is is my time ready? I don't even know. Yeah, you can do it now. You're young. Yeah, but can I do it now? I thought you had to wait like a 
the right amount of weeks. As as of today, if it's been 12 weeks, which is three months. If it's been, I don't remember when I got mine. It could have been two weeks ago and I, I wouldn't have a clue. I believe it's been three months, but you might have to check. I don't know. <laughs> not your mother. I was going to make a daddy reference there, but let's not do that. Uh, so I booked my booster for Friday, which <laughs> right. I am looking forward to. Okay. Giving me that extra sense of protection. Yeah, well, I, I haven't booked. I've um, I'll have, I guess I'll do it sometime soon. I've uh, I've got I've got the dentist this month again. Maybe after oh, that, nice. I'll, uh, I'll get another appointment booked for the near future for a different thing that also involves needles. Because everybody knows that if you don't have two layers of protection, a third layer, you know, that's really going to keep your yeah. Your, the more your protection, safe. the more the greater the amount of friction. Right. And therefore, the stronger it is. And therefore, the virus can break through that protection because you're so well layered. Yeah. And at one point, we lied there. And ribbed. But not about the virus. I can't get through the, the flavors. Some some uh, brands, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do You want to mix banana, <laughs> strawberry, bubblegum? Uh, what flavor is your, is your, is your booster going to be? <laughs> Au natural. That's oh, vanilla. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's um, let's move on, shall we? But let me ask for for reals, for real though. Are you staying put for Christmas? What are you doing? I'm probably staying put for Christmas. Yeah. Okay. I imagine that has gone down badly with uh, the fam. It's not going to go well. But the big reason for me is that my work isn't portable anymore. My my work laptop has oh kicked it. It cannot do editing. Ah. And I RIP. fully believe. We might see travel restrictions, as I've said in the podcast. And if they're going to announce them, it is going to be between Christmas and New Year. And I don't want to get stuck for like several weeks away from my ability to work. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. We will get into this in more depth later. I saw the Scottish restrictions were announced, which at the moment is guidance rather than law, uh-huh. which is limit yourself to three households but churches in advance right. of Christmas, but with the caveat... <laughs> Of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, you're fine. Yeah, Do whatever you like. Exactly. <laughs> Which is exactly the same thing that happened last year. Because, of course, the virus just goes away on those days. Yes. We pretend it's not there. Yes. No, I, I get it. Limit the number of people you're interacting with before so that when you go to places, you're less likely to have it and spread it. But for me, it's just still not enough. Right. So I'm just going to stick to myself, dodge the long COVID as long as I can. Until they figure out how to get rid of long COVID as well, because they haven't done that yet. No, they haven't. And then maybe we'll start taking risks again. Uh, and the thing, yeah, the thing is, like even myself, who is very careful anyway, right? I'm still thinking I have w- one dinner which I've I've invited a couple of my friends over. Mm-hmm. Hi, Katrina Murray. Right. I've got that, and then I'm thinking I've got one dinner outside <gasps> in an actual restaurant. <gasps> But then that's it. But but even those two, I'm thinking, particularly the second one where I'm actually going out, I'm thinking like, yeah. okay, did, could, could I rearrange this? Or is it, you know, is it going to be fine? I will find my third booster by then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Be masked up. We'll only be inside with like another 15 people. Is that 15 people too many? And if I'm thinking this, I'm sure other people are thinking it too. Indeed. Um, so who knows how everyone's Christmases are going to go, but my plans are certainly not going to be well received. I've tried to. I've tried to say them several times, and they're kind of being ignored a wee bit. <laughs> I was on the phone like, hey, can't come, uh, blah, blah, blah. I got, I got a message. Sorry, bad day, connection. Like, we rearranged the travel plans <laughs> to fit oh, your no. schedule. And I'm like, it wasn't a scheduling problem. <laughs> it was a pandemic problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. No, I've uh, had similar conversations because uh, I will not be 
for various reasons, yes. which I will not get into in this show, right. uh, not to be going up north for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, by certain people, met with a, a great deal of sadness. Uh, which is, which is, you know, and it's understandable. understandable yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. I get that people enjoy those things more than I do, and therefore they're more attached to it than me. Whereas me, I'm like, it leans a lot heavier into the the health category. Right, right. Dodge the long COVID, as we've said. Uh, but I, I try to be empathetic and patient with it. It is a good reason to, or a good excuse to, to cancel things, though. I mean, I have attempted to get drinks with someone who doesn't listen to the show. Right. And on two occasions, has uh, apparently forgotten. Oh. And then the, the most recent one, the second one was, uh, uh, no, COVID. I'm worried I'll get COVID. I thought, well, I can't, I can't uh-huh. force you. You know, there's no comeback to that. No, it's, that's a it's not just like, very valid reason. Oh, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit busy. I'm a bit tired. No, I, there's a pandemic going on. I think, okay, I, yep. I can't really go back on that, can I? New variant. New variant, COVID. <laughs> Fortunately, I've not had to be cancelling or making plans at all. Great. So I've not had to whap out the COVID excuse. So, hey. Not whapped it out in a long time. Okay, welcome to this show, which uh, is now being whapped out again for the first time in a little while. Seesaw Parade, yep. Yep. episode 272. Yes. I'm. There's a name for that sort of number where it's like the same backwards. A palindrome. Like, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I'm Colin, mm-hmm. and he's James. That's right. Whose name cannot be read as a palindrome. And welcome to the longest running well, you can try. season one of any Scottish yes. entertainment slash politics slash news slash really life generally podcast these days. Yeah, but don't believe anything we say. Well, no, of course. I mean, this the, the entire opening segment was entirely imaginary. I don't even have a family. I'm, a, I'm an orphan. <laughs> James actually can work remotely. He lied. His work computer's fine. I'm actually I'm actually just one of Colin's radio personas. It's really good editing. <laughs> I've really improved my accents over the last uh, last few months. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening. We are officially yes. less popular than electric charging points in Perth and Kinross wow. Council. Okay. Which I learned this week. You know, on most weeks, at least for the first couple of days, there are more electric vehicle charging points than there are listeners of this show. Wow. But hey, that's, <laughs> encouraging, that's encouraging news. I'll take it. Yeah, but... We're uh, you also know, I, less popular than vanilla-flavoured things. Uh, that's also true. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, we are... Uh, in the grand scheme of things, we are technically more popular than said charging points because, you know, listeners uh, tally up and eventually we get to a nice, healthy, chunky number. Right, okay. Uh, of, of which, by the time we do our next episode, mm-hmm. which may well be... Um, well, rather, I, sus- I suspect it will be the final episode of 2021. Oh, wow, yeah. We'll have some um, some nice numbers for you. See it as your seesaw parade wrapped, <laughs> seeing as everyone was doing their Spotify wrapped. You've listened to too many episodes. <laughs> well, I did get the uh, my own Spotify wrapped. It was your most uh, favorite listen to podcast. And of course, it was Seesaw Parade. Right. I was slightly concerned when it was doing the whole like drum roll thing uh, on my my phone. It was going to come up <laughs> with something with different. It's Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Louder with Crowder. Oh boy! I've been caught. Been called out by Spotify. Spotify's on to you. No, thankfully it was Seesaw Parade, and thank you everybody for listening. Really do appreciate it. You can get in touch with the show at Seesaw Parade on Twitter, or you can chap the window off my car if indeed you have seen Seesaw Parade 
as a sticker yeah. in the rear view mirror. I'm yet to have anyone do that. Right, but also but, other people might have done that sticker thing by now. So don't just automatically assume it's calling. <laughs> okay, that, that is true. It may well have spread far and wide. And people are similarly are influencers. ordering these cease operate stickers from Mumbai. Yeah. Which you can do the same you can do the same thing at bannerbuzz.co.uk. <laughs> With offer code Mumbai for some reason. <laughs> With a discount code Seesaw20 and see what they say. But a uh, thank you to uh, ML who got in touch last week who said, I fully agree with what uh, Fair James said. The part of what makes crap Christmas chocolate sort of great yeah. is nostalgia. Right, yeah. And what on that the- point, how could you not have referenced James's excellent tradition of bringing chocolate Santa know, as right. his contribution to cousin dinners? Now that will explain, a, that will require a little explanation. Well, not really. It's just no matter what time of year it is, you can buy chocolate Santas. This is true. So I I buy them and bring them to dinners, no matter what time of year it is. It's a great gimmick. Yeah. But yes, nostalgia chocolate. Yeah, you're right. Even though it tastes horrendous. Yeah, I used to I used to put it on my Nutella toast. <laughs> That's what? my Christmas Christmas tradition. You would put the terrible chocolate on Nutella toast, which is already chocolate. Yeah, and it tastes it, it tastes good at that point. Interesting. Okay, well, that's maybe something to try for <laughs> my Christmas this year. Okay, James, let's uh, crack on. We have a packed show, lots to be talking about, including uh, the fact that cheese and wine is actually a business party. No, sorry, not even a business party, a business meeting. <laughs> yeah. And not a party. Absolutely. And also there's a virus going around. Yes. Okay, James, this story has been rumbling for about 10 days at this point and it still shows no signs of going away. Yeah, it took a slow start is the, is the big reason. That was a ramp up. Absolutely. So this is the news that allegations surfaced in early December uh-huh. of secret parties <laughs> being held at 10 Downing Street last year while the country was supposed to be in yeah. lockdown. And I can confirm it was secret because I never got an invite. Indeed. Neither did I. The Prime Minister denied that it happened. A spokesperson for the Prime Minister denied that the rules were broken. Absolutely. And then a video (laughs) emerged. Yes. Of Allegra Stratton, who was practicing uh, dealing with Q&A from the new 10 Downing Street press room, which was never actually used. Indeed. And she was indeed then joking about, how how do I answer this question over this Christmas party? And she then resigned following the backlash where people said, oh, they're clearly joking about the party that clearly happened. I mean, yeah. Um, So she was laughing, other staff were joking about how to describe it, and then, of course, there was um, the press back who turned up to her front door and she delivered a a tearful statement saying she would regret the remarks for the rest of her days. No, no, you wouldn't. You just regret getting caught. Yeah, no, she, she should regret the party itself and she should regret you know, her general choices in what party in the government to support. Uh But the only thing she is regretting is that we noticed. Indeed. So on the back of this, and and there are so many questions, I will take this bit by bit. Boris Johnson, the next day at PMQs, apologised for the video, said to MPs he was furious about it. Oh, yeah. And was launching an investigation into whether the rules had been broken and indeed if parties had been held. (laughs) And this was also 
around the time that the Metropolitan Police came out and said that they don't investigate historic crimes. They don't. No, it's more than a year. It's far too long. (laughs) Far too long to investigate. Six months is the deadline. Right. So before we go any further, because uh, we'll talk about Boris and the thoughts about that and the current uh, situation as of this Wednesday, which is the 15th, let's start with this video. Okay. Now, clearly a party had happened. Yes. And then... This, uh, or parties, plural, I should say, had happened. Indeed, yeah. yeah. And this video was then part of this, you know, practicing for dealing with difficult questions from journalists. And somebody inside Downing Street managed to get the video uh, yeah, they- and then sent it to ITV and ITV did the rest. Indeed. And the reaction then was essentially to throw the staff under the bus. Of course. And Allegra Stratton was the, uh, the sacrificial lamb, the first of a couple we're going to talk about. Let's just talk about the, the, the fact that that actually happened. That was a sequence of events in which someone within Downing Street, yeah. and all the sources were protected, actually reached out to the likes of Pippa Creerer, fantastic journalist, by the way, mm-hmm. and the likes of ITN, and said, hey, want to see this? Hey, yo. So, James, from, from that perspective, it, it, and, you know, this has been over a year ago. Right. They were sitting on this the whole time. Yeah. And I appreciate it's got less of a kind of a newsworthy factor in the height of summer. But just, well, if you can, give us an insight as to why. Let's talk about the timing, first of all. They could have told us last Christmas if they actually wanted this to be effective. Right. Uh, but I, I'm still leading towards my conspiracy theory where they just want to weaken the, the PM and the leadership so that they are less likely to be able to bring in new lockdowns or okay. new r- rules and stuff like that. And... I don't really see any other stories that this one's supposed to be like hiding, because oftentimes the the current system is like release some something slightly scandalous that distracts us from something terrible. Uh, I'm not seeing that one here. Uh, maybe there is. Maybe we'll find out what what we've been missing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I still I still just think that if you just realize this is the time. The, the videos have lost enough of their impact that it's not going to truly harm the party. Which they might have underestimated. Okay. While while well, it does weaken their their current ability to do stuff. So my my point then is about particularly the timing when Boris was kind of humming and hawing about okay Omicron's really serious we're gonna have to do something yeah and so to me part of this was okay here's something to undermine you yeah and to undermine the public's trust in whatever you want to do exactly so going on from there. The uh, the reaction from within the party was one of, uh, well, many people were upset. We even had Douglas Ross up in Scotland who was a little bit angry about it. Can't believe it. Yeah, that I know. actually said something. We had three parties which now apparently are being investigated uh, by somebody. I think the most senior civil servant is looking into it. <laughs> who has loads of power. Uh, Definitely indeed. has enough power to do stuff that won't get swept under the rug. We then had uh, the director of communications within 10 Downing Street who allegedly spoke at the third party on December the 18th. He offered his resignation uh-huh. uh, to Boris, which was uh, apparently uh, re- rejected because, funnily enough, he was the one who wrote all the statements to deny the parties were happening. <laughs> and then, last night being Tuesday... We had some pictures emerge. Yeah. So this was from... <laughs> so sad. <laughs> 14th of December 2020. Right. And in this picture, there are 24 people. There's food, there's party hats, there's alcohol, all while the country was in lockdown, restricted to seeing, well, it, nobody. 
So we've now seen Sean Bailey resign as a committed chair in uh, the London Assembly after the uh, Daily Mirror published the picture. He was in the running to be London mayor at the time. Mm-hmm, yeah. This, to me, James, is a staggering lack of morals. Well, they're and, flaunting it as well. Well, yeah, just morals from anybody in this uh, this party, and particularly the, the people who took pictures of it. First of all, if you're trying to get away with it, why on earth would you take a picture? That's <laughs> now you've got evidence. This is the part that's really like hurting my head to to wrap my head because like people within the government or within the Conservative Party just flaunting the rules and doing so brazenly, not unexpected, not a surprise. My head is like, all right, I get it. But the fact that there was just such an obvious difference between what they were doing and what we were allowed to do by law and they still documented it themselves yep i i am shocked how small their brains are i can't get my head down to that size but that's the conservatives for you they just keep doing stuff like this and they don't care i mean they, they'll they'll resign to try and like save some of the fire from burning the whole party down, I guess, but they'll get cushy jobs to move on to and whatnot. They've got enough friends yep. who who owe them favours or this or that. Okay, but the the, the, the stories continue. They so do. the uh, other pictures which were published included Boris Johnson picture taking part in a Christmas oh, quiz. The saddest quiz I've ever seen. Uh, I know, it looked, uh, looked awful, but he was flanked by a couple of people. All the which, parties look awful. Why would you even go? <laughs> again, was against the rules. And, uh, yeah, then he had, for example, his flat refurbishment investigation ending. That's kicked off again, yeah. And that's kicked off, and it uh, turned out that, um, yes, he's going to have to repay a a significant amount of money, but we'll get onto that in a second. James, let's talk about Boris. His support has been vastly uh, (laughs) undermined. You know what? If I was taking part in the Boris quiz and it was that sad, I also would stop supporting him. That thing looks just (laughs) so not okay. I've never seen a party look so bland. Indeed. Okay, so these parties are now being investigated. People have resigned. There may well be more to come, but everything is finally coming out. And it's once again reinforcing... We We think. Once again reinforcing this idea that there is one rule for us and another rule for them. There, yeah, there is, yeah. And and like how many how many people like I know that we already talked about this today. I'm not personally too too affected by missing out on Christmas parties and such things, but I'm I'm the weird one. I don't know what percentage of the of the population w- would be upset by this. Uh and but they they rightfully should be because this is the, probably the most palpable uh, instance of of rule breaking compared to what we're expected to do most of the other ones it's like so much like such a high level of corruption or such a high level of bribery that we can't really wrap our heads around it too easily it doesn't really sink in on an empathy level for us but this one does it's just so clear and obvious and surely surely if anything can sink Boris and get rid of him in a couple of months, it's something like this. Well, we, we will get, we'll come back to that later because we'll ah. talk about uh, the vote which was held about COVID passports down south, which required support of the Labour Party to actually get through. But we'll, we'll return to that. Let's talk uh, briefly about the flat refurbishment work as well. Oh. As you say, this was uh, something which 
was a story over the summer, disappeared, and then the Electoral Commission have published their findings, and uh, I'm sorry, I I got that wrong. Boris isn't paying it back. The Conservative Party were fined. Yeah. 18 grand. Yeah. For failing to accurately report a donation that paid for the refurb. So to give you the info here... It's been suggested that Boris lied to his own standards advisor about how the refurbishment work on his flat was funded because the right. PM gets an annual grant of 30 grand a year to spend on the upkeep of uh, his living quarters. But it's reported that Boris and uh, his partner Carrie had reportedly spent as much as 200 grand yeah. on a so... designer upgrade, initially paid for by the cabinet, but 52 grand given to him by the Tory peer, Lord Brownlow. Uh, Mr. Johnson claims he has now covered all the costs out of his own pocket. Now, the problem comes, James... Yeah, the problem comes (laughs) in that he didn't tell the people he was meant to tell that this was how it had been funded, and he he didn't. Well, they didn't declare the donation. Then when they were asked about the, the, the flat refurbishment, they didn't talk about how they got a donation to help and... Uh, only after a whole bunch of investigation we finally reached this point where Boris is saying, I've paid for it all now. And it's like, well, well, well after sorry, the Sorry, fact. just at this point, just at this point, the, the main issue here that the Electoral Commission themselves raised yeah. is they have a WhatsApp message from Boris <laughs> to Lord Brownlow asking for more money to go towards this work. And then <laughs> so in the comments... He said he didn't know who'd paid for it, which is a blatant lie. And again, it's the self-documentation. Like, they insist on using all these personal (laughs) platforms to do it, and then they just assume that no one's ever going to know. Like, if you're going to be doing corruption, and you're going to be doing whatever, actually do it via secret channels... Or just do it on your government stuff. Don't take the lazy middleman option of doing it just so it's secret enough that it's going to come out a year later. It's it's mind-blowing to me that they want to do these shady things and then that they can't even do it well. Uh, to me, in all of this, as we uh, wrap up this, this particular story, in all of it is this complete grey area of morals that... Nobody in the Conservative Party, or should I say, very few people in the Conservative Party seem to have, considering that all of this, including the the parties and the flat stuff, happened over a year ago. And the likes of even the Sun newspaper barely touched the the Christmas parties because it turns out they had their own one. Yeah, they they threw their own parties, yeah, yeah. Right, and they also didn't want to get caught. But then you look at, you know, politicians and journalists and who's married to who. Rishi Sunak was the best man at the editor of The Spectator's wedding. Right. All of these people are all just pals with each other. And it's then reinforcing, or rather, let's say, hiding or minimizing to a tiny, tiny story the stuff would actually that the public needs to know yeah. based on who writes what paper and who did what and who knows who. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, it's, it's been obvious for ages which of the parties is more favored in the papers. Even in the even in the somewhat more rebellious papers, they still lean towards the conservatives, and it doesn't take long to figure out how how deep uh, the connections run between media, uh, the party, and then like the wealthy. They all are pals. Everyone who has the power to, to influence is all pally with each other. And they're keeping us all as uh, f- far away from the facts as they can without like making us rise up. Because, you know, sometimes people get violent 
and they do want to avoid that. But they're doing it by not telling us anything and just lording it over, ignoring their own rules, forcing us all to live the life that helps them the most. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Omicron. That's the other big story of the week. As referenced earlier in the show, Scotland or people in Scotland have been braced for further restrictions ahead of Christmas just days after the First Minister urged people to restrict their household mixing to three at a time in the run-up to the 25th. But of course, the advice doesn't apply on Christmas Day because, you know, it's a a day off for everybody. So, virus included. The virus will have its proverbial knees up. (laughs) Indeed. Shops and hospitality venues are also being told to bring back physical distancing and screens. Which I'm surprised is gone, but, you know, I don't go out. (laughs) Indeed. And surprisingly, the the Scottish uh, Conservatives said the restrictions were a measured response to uh, the evidence paper on Omicron, which was published last week, (laughs) uh, which they say uh, painted a scary and bleak picture. Which for anyone who can translate conservative brain to real life means that it's probably not enough of a response. Well, If the, cons- if the conservatives aren't complaining yet, you've not done enough. Well, as we've talked about before, the default position for BU, Conservative or Labour in Scotland yeah. is simply to say the opposite of what the SNP are doing. Exactly. But to, to say the opposite of, actually, I don't think we should have any curbs at all, is essentially willing more people to die. So it, I don't think they could go as far as to say, you know what, no, no it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> let let the virus run its course. No, they, they do have at least that much of an ethic. Right. So at this point, it's also emerged that the Omicron variant is now likely to have spread to every health board across Scotland. Right. There's more than 4,000 potential cases across the country. And it looks like, and we'll talk about this in more depth uh, shortly, it will become the dominant strain now this real quick as well, yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating how fast it, it it goes. Omicron is from early reports much more transmissible than Delta, but the early suggestions are that it's milder. Yeah, and that would mean that fewer people end up dying and being in hospital in total. And the theory goes that it's then it's then more manageable right. rather than something well, like Delta, the Delta strain or the Ken variant, which. From from the evidence would suggest that more people end up needing intensive hospital care. Right, it's a little bit tougher to balance than that though, because like to make the numbers a lot easier, if it's like four times as transmissible but only half of half as potent, you still end up with more people in hospital. It's still a lot of people in yeah. the short term, and then in the long term, it's fewer because it just we all get immune to it sooner. But in the short term, because it's more, it's hitting more people at once, even if a smaller proportion of that population is infected, there are still more people overall who end up seriously unwell. So there is still a talk about this variant causing serious stress in the NHS and all of that. So be careful. Now, the response to this has largely been, go get your booster. Indeed. And uh, Boris had set out a plan of getting every adult over 30 boosted by the end of the year, yeah. which would require something like a million vaccines a day, which he announced uh, without actually telling anyone in the NHS that this was the plan. Well, that's, that's and normal, And this yeah. would be a, substa- indeed, a substantially higher rate than the UK has ever achieved previously. But, you know, we like stretch goals. We like, you know, shooting for the moon and missing. So, well, yeah, but that, to me, best. James, consistently seems to be the way of, of uh, avoiding this current strain, which is add on your third jacket 
of protection. Yeah, but the, the, the third the third jacket, as you say, is an effective response alongside the other things that are being added, whereas, where there are now mask mandates in England as well, and there is going to be a passport system in place. And a passport system, while it might not be a primary source of reducing uh, spread, it, it does increase the total uptake of vaccines and stuff like that. So it is useful. Um, and it makes sure that there is no bad faith people walking about deliberately doing things, blah, blah, blah. But the more important thing is the vaccines. One of the weird things to me, and this is a bit of a tangent, is okay. Scotland's doing more vaccinations than the rest of the UK. Yeah. Across the board, first dose, second dose, third dose. How come we're not in the headlines, Colin? When we were, when we were behind, it was a great shame on the nation. But third dose ramping up, we're still ahead. Because well, the media just as a... a... <laughs> general blob is uh, much more likely to focus on bad news stories that's just the way it is that's the way it works indeed. and that's, but un- the that's bad unfortunate news is that england's so far behind it, well indeed and that may well be covered we need, to, we need to pull them up with the bad news it may well be covered <laughs> in the next few days that england is is, is behind be. but yes scotland being good at things and doing things well is a much less interesting news story for be it journalists or, or readers it's just the way it and is. doing it well isn't good enough because we've still got a ridiculous number of cases. So to, to go back a few days, the advice from the Scottish government, or rather, let me rephrase, from Public Health Scotland, right. mere minutes after Jason Leach had said, no, there's no need to cancel your Christmas party, yeah. was to tell everyone to cancel the Christmas party. Indeed, yeah. And then the Scottish government came out the next day to say, yeah. You know, just just look after yourself. And Nicola Sturgeon came out Be to careful. say, I want to avoid people doing dinner dances. And suddenly we're having right, yeah. venues who are losing thousands of bookings. And then other people who are saying, well, wait, it, is, does ours count as a Christmas party? Is this what you're talking about? And there was this general confusion about, well, what are you what are you saying here? And why are you all talking about different things? So to me, there, there was that lack of clarity. But also, as we've talked about on this show before... There is, in the back of everyone's minds, particularly in government, this idea of protecting the economy. Because oh, absolutely. Christmas is the bumper period for basically everyone, be you a bar, a restaurant, a, a retail store. And so they want to keep that going as long as they can. But in doing so, in telling people to cancel Christmas parties, to limit household spread, it's it's actually causing a lot of people to to lose a lot of money and in some cases businesses to shut down. So how do you balance the two? Economic reform, Colin. <laughs> okay, but realistically, because that's just not going to happen. Uh, well, I think they've done their best to balance the two. Right? It's about giving people the freedom for the big days and encouraging them to be sensible on the on the build up, so you can still like go shopping. Right. That's not household mixing. You can still like plan your plan your gathering. That's not household mixing. Um, but then, like, give them some level of freedom for the for the gatherings and the big day. And yeah, like, event spaces might be struggling, but I don't think there's any way to have event space be a sustainable business while a pandemic is going on. I think their mistake is not like branching out while the pandemic was going on and making their money by doing other things. Uh, now, granted, that's really hard, but. It's better than just relying on the government to say, hey, oh no, pandemic is fine. Who cares? Everybody go to your local events, hall, gather, dance. And, and in terms of what happens after Christmas, I, I, this is uh, the time where we get our crystal balls out. Oh, yeah. By the looks of things. 27th, 28th. Right. By the looks of things, Omicron is going to 
cause a severely high number of cases across the UK. I heard today it was going to be a staggering number of infections. We had Nicola Sturgeon compare it to a tsunami. So, So hold on. We're running up to Christmas. There will be, particularly in Scotland, perhaps further restrictions, but it's been clear Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day... Is, is a no-go. Those are those are free. You can do what you like. Exactly. My my thought would be that essentially they're going to give people their 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 fun time over Christmas, and then it'll be okay. Yeah. Lockdown. Do you think that's yeah. that's feasible? That they crack out the lockdown baseball bat, knock you in the nose on your way out the Christmas party, <laughs> uh, and just send us all home for a couple of right, weeks. Right. Right. So, so to tie all this together, then on the back of everything we've seen from the UK government with the parties yeah. and also with the third boosters that everyone's are, everyone's getting, surely a lockdown's not going to, it's just not going to wash because people will say, well, what's the point of the vaccine then? There's absolutely no chance, and by saying this I might curse England <laughs> to a lockdown, but there's no chance that Boris has the power in the party right now to mandate a lockdown. Yep. Um, he can maybe encourage one. Um, I doubt the SNP have the power in Scotland to get an effective lockdown at this point. People are yeah. just a little bit too bored, but they've got more of a chance. They might give it a go. Um, I fully expect regional travel restrictions or something like that again. We've had those okay. enough and people didn't really hate them too much. There's not enough people who rely on going across borders every single day that or that they can't just do things remotely instead. Uh, so that we might see that. I expect that England will aim for that, might not get that. I think Scotland, we might be seeing some rumblings of a lockdown and then we'll settle for some regional thing that, along those lines. I'm expecting to find out on the 28th, first thing in the morning. Because that's what, a, a Tuesday? Well, it's because you, you've got a day, a couple of days to get home after Christmas and blah, blah, blah. You're not going to interrupt anyone's travel plans. And it's still... You still have given them enough days before New Year's to be like, oh, cancel. So we get the Christmas, cancel New Year. Okay, James, let's uh, move on. That was a bumper opening segment. Good chat as always. Let's uh, go lighter, shall we? And talk about what we've been watching over the last uh, couple of weeks or so. I have three movies I want to talk about, but one of them will be very short. Oh, my, I've got a film as well, but it's also really short. We've talked about it before. Okay. Let me start with the with the short ones then, and then I'm going to save the, the big hitters because I suspect they may win Oscars. Ah. So, I want to talk about Red Notice. It's on Netflix. <laughs> Watched it with Graham uh, about a week ago. Right. It is reportedly one of the most expensive Netflix movies ever. Wow. It stars The Rock... Playing The Rock. Ryan Reynolds. Playing Ryan Reynolds. Gal Gadot. Playing Gal Gadot. Basically, all the, just all the A-listers. Yes. In a Ocean's Eleven, MacGuffin, Find Cleopatra's Eggs caper. Right. That's how I would describe it. Right, a heist caper. And it's, it is, do you know what we talked about a few months ago? You watch like a trash movie. Right. And you disengage your brain and you still enjoy it. Right. This is a this is a trash movie which isn't even enjoyable. Oh, it's, brain off still bad. Oh, brain off still bad. You know, it's it's the oh, fact that no. <laughs> as you reflected there, it's the rock doing his rock thing of you know brooding and, did he and and raise his eyebrow. Being oh, he did many times, being like the the, the straight guy to Ryan Reynolds, who's just being Ryan Reynolds with all the. the oh, he's so goofy and charming. Right, but but it's things like 
Here's here's an excerpt of the script, okay? Okay. That Ryan Reynolds' character retorts to a uh, irate policewoman. All right. She says, "I'm gonna send you someplace that you don't want to go." Uh huh. And he says, "Your Instagram." Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a and, really and funny that one. Is, that's, that is the standard we're talking about. Wow. It's not even I was, ro- ro- like... I was expecting bad and that disappointed. <laughs> if I came out with that on like a night out, people would just be like, God, that's, that's not even remotely yeah, funny. Meta paid them. Meta paid them big bucks to, to drop the drop the name in the script. And Gal Gadot, just being Gal Gadot, and there is a, there's a twist at the end, which is the only thing, the only part of the movie which I thought, okay, fair enough, I didn't see that coming. But it is clearly set up as the first of many, seeing as, um, yeah, I'll just, if you do go and watch it, please don't, because it just gives <laughs> Netflix the money and the Get reason to go and make more. Don't watch it so they cancel future plans. <laughs> it, it's just a rotten movie, and I'm so glad... Um, that at the end of it, I didn't have to like walk all the way home and and dwell on the way home. I just turned it off. <laughs> I didn't have to think about it like, ever until the podcast. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Okay, James, what about you? <laughs> I watched Pacific Rim. Hey, Pacific Rim job. What do you Brain think? Brain off enjoyment on. It's so good. That's about, <laughs> okay, what, it's what just makes big, it good? It's just ma- massive robots fighting massive monsters, so you know you don't have to care. Yep. The plot is super basic. The characters are super basic. Everything is just very on the nose. The every single character or every single actor is delivering at the hundred and twenty percent that is not good. Oh. But because you know it's that, it makes it good. Okay. They're all doing like hammy acting, and it works so well because your brain is off and you're just ready to engage and enjoy. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the really good things about this film is the way it's filmed. Sorry, because... sorry. Just 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 before you get get to that, you mentioned the cast giving it 110. percent You know it's and it's okay because it's a bit hammy and it, you realize it is. Isn't Idris Elba's character called something like Messiah Jesus or? It's, oh, I don't remember his name anymore. It's something like Saint. Saint Paul or some ridiculous I don't think name. It's quite that ridiculous. Okay, uh, well, you keep speaking. I'm going to look it up. Okay, you look it. Yeah. So one of the things that really sells the film, like while it is all low-level writing that they just try to maximize it, fun and excitement, they actually did care about the way that they filmed it. And I say this in quotes because it's mostly CG stuff with mega Stacker monsters. Stacker so they- Pentecost. What a name, <laughs> Stacker Pentecost. Look at the rest of the names. They're all they're all so good. Um, so. When they got their, we talked about this with June actually. Their their CG cameras and the way they shoot all these giant monster fights it, it is grounded. You f- yep. it actually feels like it would possibly possibly be filmed. They they film it with things obscuring or they film it with really high angle shots or they film it from far away or like really close up and you can barely see the feet because everything's so big. The way that they put the film together, even though they maximize stupidity for excitement's sake. They put the film together in a really clever way that lets you really easily watch it without feeling like you have to strain to to uh, put yourself into the universe. And I think it is all to do with the, the camera work. So points on for CG, points on for camera, points on for everything. It was, it was such a fun film to watch. I am, I've never seen the second one. I, I might skip it because it's not as good and I already know it's not. Yeah, well, some of the other character names include Hannibal Chow. Yeah. Who's Ron Perlman's character. Got Hercules Herc Hansen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, yeah, quite something already. So, yeah, there's there's a whole load of them. Dr. Newt Geisler. Yeah, Newt Geisler. That's um, Charlie, Charlie Day. Charlie Day. 
he he does he he's just acting Charlie Day, which is fine. Uh, he, there's another there's another the other big brain is just just acting. Burn Gorman, fancy pants, big brain. Yeah, it's Gorman acting fancy pants, big brain, and he's just he is he's maximum ham. He's the hammiest of the hams. In he this. is. Yep. But it works. Um, and and it's just because the film very early on goes, yeah, you can you can switch your brain off. This is really this is really stupid, and okay. it, then it's, then it works. All right, I want to talk about uh, two more movies and give them slightly more in depth reviews. The first one is The Power of the Dog. It's on Netflix right now. Right. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody right. Smith McPhee in the the leading quartet. And in the last uh, seen this, like... couple of days, it's been nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes, which uh, we're not really going to talk about because, you know, everyone in the uh, Hollywood foreign press <laughs> is white. But it's fine. Awards don't matter. So The Power of the Dog is a w- Western, which is based on a, a 1967 novel. It's set uh, in the 1920s. Right. And it tells the story of Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, who are brothers. Uh, and uh, Jesse Plemons' character, who decides to shack up with the widowed okay. Kirsten Dunst. Right. And her son, Cody Smith McPhee, who is uh, a very effeminate young man. Okay. And the relationship then between Benedict's uber macho, but you know, toxic masculine oh, right. uh, persona, and how he then grows and develops with Cody Smith McPhee. So right. it is, uh, and most of the awards have been given, or nominations, I should say, have been given to Cumberbatch and, and Dunst, and rightly so. The two of them, in particular, Benedict. Wow. Very, very good. Like, surprisingly good. For Benedict, yeah, because he usually just is a bit cardboard, but parse, so it works. Right. But Kirsten Dunst, as well, should be given plaudits because everything I've seen her in, and she's one of these uh, actors who is perhaps unfairly remembered for, you know, one movie, and in particular, Spider Man movies. She's great. But she's so much more than that, and she's so good in this. So. Uh, it's you know it's got touches of there will be blood touches of call me by your name right, right. there's all sorts of things going on but it is this really interesting portrayal of someone like benedict cumberbatch's character who is just so repulsive as a person and i read about things he was doing on set he apparently didn't wash oh. uh, he learned to smoke you know, rolled tobacco and he smoked constantly didn't refer to didn't pay attention if anyone called him by his actual right, name okay he was doing method right and the thing is it does come across on screen that this is a living breathing human being yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is all I really want from my, my, my films yeah it's also it's directed by Jane Campion who is uh, now in her late 60s did a lot of work in the late 90s early 2000s has come back with this and I believe she'll get a few nods for the directing even the way the film is structured it's set up in five parts so you know a part ends it fades to black and then it comes up with, in roman numerals here's the next part nice so rather than it being like a sequence of events it's very much stories told over a time period i love that kind of thing yeah and i really i really did enjoy it more than i thought i would but again it's a slow burner if you're expecting you know, constant drama and whiz-bang Western stuff, you'd be sorely disappointed. If you want to see some really nice acting performances right, and right. Uh, stories told well with really interesting themes, Power of the Dog is for you. Nice. Now, I, I, I'm going to briefly just throw out the idea that method acting is a crutch and move on. <laughs> in, in what way? I feel like 
an actor is doing a better job if they give us a convincing performance without method. I feel like method makes it easier to perform. Right, but that's that's surely why they do it. You know, if it's going to make it easier for you to, to be a convincing character, you would do it. I get that. Yeah, but it's like the great pains of a whole bunch of other people. Oh, yeah. Just to make your job easier. Like, you piss off everybody else, but you but you give a great performance. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's just the lazy way out. Method is method is a crutch. <laughs> quit, quit, stop doing it, everyone. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis, looking at you, like, you're not well, an actor. Christian Bale as well. You know, some of the best performances you'll ever see on screen, you mentioned Daniel Day-Lewis there, have come from method acting. <laughs> yeah, because it's a crutch. <laughs> but but then you also have Jared Leto exactly. giving dead rats to his castmates. Yeah, I, I no, I don't. I, what I mean more is that I used to be really impressed and heard about method acting stories. Of like, wow, they're so dedicated to their craft. Right. And now I just kind of get annoyed on behalf of everyone else because I'm like, <laughs> you just made everybody else's jobs and lives harder to make yours a little bit easier. But if you're a really good actor. Okay. You could just, like, at the drop of a pin, do exactly the same performance without the 10 months of build-up. Fair enough. Here's the other movie I watched this week. And before I get into it, dear listener, if you have finished anything, be that a film, uh, a TV show, uh, you went to see a play, you made a nice dinner, you saw a nice car, you can review it. Send it to us. Audio form is the best. But, of course, written form as well is great. And uh, you can do that, seesawparade, at gmail.com. Yeah. But James, before we go any further, uh, because uh, I know Successions Season 3 has ended, <gasps> I have started watching it. Wow. So if, uh, I, I don't know if you have. Do you, no. do you Are you into Succession? I haven't started yet. I'm still on the, I'm still uh, on the, film, the film thing for now. I'll switch over okay. to entertainments eventually. But yes, I, I am keen. If it, it may not be next week, but certainly early 2022, we'll have a full review of Succession Season 3, Whoa. which I'm very excited for. Good stuff. So the other movie I watched was... Oh, wait, I've started I've started the final season of The Expanse. Oh. You just got counter-seasoned. <laughs> so I did. Okay, well, I'm going to counter-movie you and tell you about the uh, other big hitter that I saw this week, King Richard. Right. Which is a biographical drama about the father of Venus and Serena. Yes. Who, funnily enough, is called Richard. Not King Richard, of, just Richard. A lot of people complained about the film name and the like, the the angle of the film without really looking at who produced the film, which is the The Venus Williams sisters <laughs> produced the film. <laughs> yeah, so it's very much like, uh, okay, you guys produced it, pretty sure you had a firm say yeah, in what yeah. it was called. You, you, you get to you get to just be the driving force behind it, yes. So this uh, this movie is getting most of the plaudits for the performance of Will Smith, who plays Richard Williams, and uh, I tell you, he is excellent, really, really good. Yeah. I fully expect uh, that he will win a bunch of awards for this. Yeah. Because he, he stops, he, and it's because he is now much older. You know, he's not just this fresh-faced uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince of Bel-Air or, you know, jumping into a Men in Black franchise. He's now like a haggard old man. And that, I mean, the makeup's certainly helping. But you forget you're <laughs> yeah, watching Will Smith. quite there, but yeah. You forget you're watching Will Smith. You for, uh, by the end of the movie, right, right, I was right. almost in tears because it is a story which is really well told. The script is excellent, and the fa- it's the fact that it's not just... I mean, okay, it leans into cliches of sports movies, you know? Yeah, of course, oh, yeah. Oh, are they going to fail? Oh, they're so close to failing. Oh, no, they're not. 
or they're going to fail, or they're so, they're yeah, so close like, to failing. They're, oh, no, they're pulling from real life, right? And because you know the, the sisters, you know that they're going to become no the best in the world. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> Venus is actually a good tennis player, and Serena's going to be even better. Wow! But because because you know that, though, it's it's nice to see some of the internal battles that were going on, which, as you've said there, because this movie is produced by the sisters... It's you know it's at times far from a flattering portrait of her of their dad. Indeed, yeah. And similarly to the power of the dog, it does raise a lot of interesting questions about parenting. Right. For example, how much of this was what he wanted versus what they wanted, and how much of his parenting tactics, like you know abandoning them at a shop because they were they were bragging. And then the dynamics with his wife, who's right, played yeah. by uh, Ellis, who is excellent. They then have a fully fleshed out relationship too. There are three or four times in the movie where it forgets that you're about Serena and Venus, and it goes to Richard and his wife, Brandy. Yeah. And they're having conversations, and they're having arguments and disputes, and it was really well done. Right. Because a movie like this could go down the really easy route of let's just focus on the success story and of course right, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a few hurdles along the way but there's some really like dark stuff in here as well and as I say big questions about uh, the parenting right. the only only other thing I want to to raise here is the performance of John Bernthal okay now John Bernthal is one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. and he plays the role here of Rick Macy who was the coach of uh, Venus and Serena just before Venus turned pro and played her first match. Yeah. Uh, he was there, courtside, he, he, he led them through that. If it weren't for Will Smith, John Bernthal should be getting all the awards. And he may well get a Best Supporting Actor. He was phenomenal. Cool. And again, breaking that boundary of, I forget, I'm watching one of my favourite actors. This is just Rick Macy, who is nice. really frustrated by Richard Williams and his terrible decision-making. Nice. All right, yeah. I, I am gonna. I'm gonna. My 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 thing. I'm curious about here is. Were you surprised that Will Smith did a good job? Uh, no, no, because yeah, okay. everything I've seen Will Smith in, despite the fact that he, because he's such a big name now, um, because he is one of those actors who just you you realize, oh, that's just Will Smith. Yeah. He, he, but you forget he can still act. You know, he's not like Tom Cruise. Who Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. Ryan Reynolds, who we talked about, The Rock, who we talked about, are always going to be the same people. Yeah. Will Smith has range and has demonstrated that. He can do that in his career. Yeah. You know, even a film like I Am Legend, for all its problems, is helmed by a really excellent central performance from Will Smith. Yeah. He's, he's... Men in Black, okay, of course he was in his early 20s, but he demonstrated he could do that kind of buddy cop movie as well. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I I wasn't surprised, but I I because I saw what this movie was. It's Oscar bait, yeah, but it's also yeah, yeah. I, really yeah. really well done yeah. Oscar bait. It, it, yeah, and I'm fine with that. I, I'd say it's good to know that he can finally do the good acting in an Oscar bait film because his previous Oscar bait attempts were just so conceptually not good that he like the pursuit of happiness. Uh, Seven pounds. I'd say the pursuit of happiness. He played a human pretty well but I'm thinking more of recent okay. ones where like what was it like the one where he played something he was uh, I don't remember what it was called was it with his son it was in space and stuff it was like high oh, level oh no no that wasn't Oscar bait that was just terrible it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie he, yeah so not necessarily Oscar bait I guess I'm going wrong here he, 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 he kept signing on to these like high concept films I don't know what his goal was, but they were all bad. Uh, whereas he's always been able to play humans pretty well. And as much as I don't really like him as a as a person, I feel he's very fake. Most people are. 
I'll, I'll appreciate that he can still play humans. That's pretty cool to hear that he's not just taking on another yeah. high budget, high high paycheck, high concept film that isn't going to be good. The movie is very long though, so unless you uh, have somewhere to be, <laughs> right. then maybe wait till it's Colin, on streaming services and split it into. Colin, I watched another film. I just forgot about it until right uh, now. Come on, what did you watch? I watched Sicario. Oh. For the first time? Anyway, it's really surprising because it's a very good film and I just forgot <laughs> that I watched it. Yeah, it's great. Sicario's so good. I haven't seen that in ages. It's so good. I just, yeah, I, I had seen it before, but I just gave it the old rewatch because I was able to. And it, like, second time, still my heart could not stop. The whole thing <laughs> is just so well done. It is a beautifully shot film, which isn't surprising. Yep. The characters are like grounded, but also like a little bit. A little bit fictional, just the right amount that they bite, and then you go like, "Okay, I'm invested." It's Denis Villeneuve, isn't it? Yeah, it's Villeneuve. Yeah, um, and if when you look at the like film poster, maybe the trailers, you think, "Oh my goodness, there's like weird, weird FBI action film that's going to be boring and glorifying of of the law enforcement." You watch the film, and it's like not that, and it's actually just kind of harrowing and high intensity. And you hate everyone in it. Oh, yeah. And it's the good kind of you hate everyone in it. So if you haven't seen it, please give it a watch. Yep. Um, I was I was amazed at some of the acting here because... And I looked at some stories about it after this one. Uh, they made a lot of choices of removing dialogue from scenes and just conveying things with, like, expression and nice. posture and emotion and stuff like that. And they nailed it. They, they, this is such a good film. Did you? And it's the brain on good film. Yes. Did you ever see the sequel? No. I would watch the sequel if you get a chance. Okay. I, I don't know if it's on anywhere at the moment, but have a look out for it because I would be interested in, in hearing your take. Which I don't, I'm almost certain Denny Villeneuve did not do. I, do, I don't think he did it. <laughs> I was going to look it up real quick. But yep. real quick has turned into a marathon because Google's decided that I have signed out and I need to agree to a whole bunch of their customization settings again okay we've got one trailer to look at uh i really enjoyed that anyway um <laughs> good good chat as always let's move on trailer time we have a sequel to into the spider-verse uh which yeah which uh we, we've it's called a first look <laughs> so rather than oh yeah no, sure yeah <laughs> rather than a, a trailer it's like a opening scene it's a trailer and this one is called across the spider-verse yeah. Part one. And I'm glad they wrote part one because... So here's a clip. They realized that they needed the two parts and they actually let us know. Miles! Miles! You got a minute? Oh! Whoa. Gwen, how did, how did she... How, how did you get... How have you been? It's a long story. Is this the room you grew up in? Uh, it, it is. But uh, my, my dorm room is very adult. Right. No, of course. Hey, are these your drawings? What? No, oh, no. Good. So, what are you doing here? I, I mean, I, I thought I'd never see you again. Okay, James, uh, this to me just looks like more of what I really enjoyed about uh, the first Spider-Verse movie. Beautiful animation, nice dialogue, and uh, uh, people, people we actually want to spend time with and hang out with. What do you think? The, yeah, it's a very, very good, promising-looking piece of work so far um unlike other recent spider-man trailers or spider-man stuff that's been released this one i was just excited by 
It looked like it still had the right kind of mood, the same kind of lovable characters. And we're not seeing much, but it, like it's really nice to jump back into something and not feel like they've they've just pulled pulled a turn and are doing something different for the sake of it. Um, and it could be a really interesting story. I, I I am I am excited for this, and I really hope it's as good as the first one because that thing was so good. It was. It does actually then lead me on to the fact that the latest Marvel movie, Spider Man Three. Um, no way home, or what was all the different <laughs> titles we came up with? I can't remember. Homeward Bound, Homework, <laughs> Homework, Spider Man Three, Homework. That was the one. Oh, it is. It's <laughs> uh, out. It's out today in cinemas, and um, I've stayed away from reviews. I am planning to see it right. with Graham on Sunday. Okay, so we'll have a review for you next week. But yeah, that's um, that's also happening. Well, you know what. I have higher hopes than I did one minute ago. Okay. Why? Because, well, because they didn't like do the big reveal all trailer that yes. spoiled it all for me. So there are some of the secrets still in place. Whereas if it was going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be, I was expecting that trailer. I, I, hadn't, I didn't even know the film was out. So I've got higher hopes just based off of that. And also, um, and also Tom Holland uh, had a nice little chat about we shouldn't be putting so much stigma on... Uh, couples where the woman is taller than the man because uh, Zendaya is taller than him. Oh, yeah. And I thought, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good man. Yeah, yeah. So I saw some chat about that. Um, and I think it's absolutely true. But hey, um, maybe, maybe he can convince the, uh, the the folks at Disney to start portraying them as their actual heights on screen. <laughs> that would be a good first step. But no, like if I I do hope the film is good. I do I do hope people like it because people are invested and it, it's got a whole bunch of characters that I do really like. So I want it to be a success. And frankly, it needs to be better than Mar- than Marvel's Eternals, which if you missed a review off, yeah, go back and listen. Yeah, and I'm sure it will be because that was it would be difficult. It would be weird for them to do two misses in a row. Uh, um, now, now Colin, okay, don't mean to hop back here, but Sicario is getting a third film. Yeah, is it? It's in development. I'm less fond of that. <laughs> no, so uh, Sicario 2 uh, was written by the same writer, or it was overseen by the same overseer, I'm going to say, okay. Taylor Sheridan, who who like wrote the yep. original script for the first one. But yeah, no, no involvement from the rest of the team except some of the actors. Right, James, let's finish up. Time is ticking away as ever. All right. Let's talk about the... Uh, let's start actually with COVID passports, and then we'll talk about the Winter Olympics and finish up with uh, Juicy Smollett. So let's start then with the vote that took place um, at Westminster yesterday, which was the uh, announcement now that adults in England must yep. show their COVID pass to enter nightclubs, sporting matches, and other large events, mm-hmm. despite the fact that over... Well, it was a hundred, I believe, Conservative MPs voted against it. So, James, this and this thing goes full circle. Several Labour MPs, indeed, but they uh, have, have passed largely because <laughs> Labour supported it. Yes, but James, it goes back to our discussion about <laughs> Boris and his faltering support. So, yep. what's your your take on all this? This big rebellion. Well, the rebellion's not a surprise. There's been rumblings of this kind of rebellion when it comes to any COVID measures within the Conservative Party since the pandemic started. They want complete freedom. They want the economy to be 
in full swing at the great sacrifice of many. So any measures are being incredibly scrutinized and it's just the first time that they feel free to openly rebel. I don't think they believed they had the numbers to actually make this thing go down. No. Um, especially since I'm assuming they figured that the Labour Party would support it. Why would the Labour Party not support this? Yeah. Um, so it is it is a public display that maybe they're not backing Boris as fakely as they used to and now they're willing to be a bit less fake about it. But overall, it's not too big a sign. Um, I think it does give them enough of a like a first step on a massive escalator towards like having a vote of no confidence next year at some point. But I, it's not like it's imminent next week unless something else huge happens. I had heard an interesting discussion on the radio. Right. Um, someone saying why aren't or why isn't Sir Keir Starmer calling for the instant resignation of Boris? Why hasn't he been doing that whilst oh, Ian Blackford at the SNP has. Point winning. And the uh, the commentator was making the point that whilst Boris is in power, it's actually helping Labour. Yeah. Because the Tories have dropped significantly in the polls. Labour are now leading. Six, six, six to eight points ahead now, yeah. It's, it's at the, least for the time being. The joke of Conservative plus three is finally dead. And if Boris leaves and is replaced by, let's say, a Rishi, someone who is, on paper, more competent, Less of a buffoon. In quotes, a fresh face. Absolutely. That's likely to shore up Conservative support, which is why I Indeed, do yeah. suspect Boris will not be in charge come the next election because no, no, he'll yeah. be damaged goods at that point. So yeah. that to me is why. And I did, you know, at the time I did wonder why it wasn't happening, why they weren't saying Boris needs to go because actually the longer he's there, the better it is for them. Yeah, and it's not like it's, it would make a difference to, to get rid of him. If we're going to have the same policies from the Conservatives either way. Everything's going to be exactly the same. So it's just while they're while the Tories are doing a bit of infighting and imploding, let them do it. You have more influence as the opposition leader for that period of time. So it makes sense politically. Um, but, you know, like if we're talking about making sense politically, so does opposing vaccine um, passports and stuff like that. There is always some logic in all of this dissent. Um, and like I can see why people would not want the Conservatives be, to be in charge of implementing a passport scheme because I don't really trust the Conservatives to do it well. I, I don't trust them to put an end date on it, for example, which was a pretty key element for me. Uh, I, and for the Conservatives themselves, like, yeah, sure, this kind of thing does does kill businesses and that's a bad thing. So... It all has political reasoning uh, and the games are being played and I guess we can all just be happy that for once Boris is more openly losing. It's not just like whispers of losing. Okay, let's uh, move on. Let's talk about the Winter Olympics, which funnily enough, and this has really snuck up on me, are happening in a Mm -hmm. a few months time because... I'd I'd forgotten. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, 2022 in uh, February in Beijing. Yeah. And the news is... that the US, the UK, and Canada have all announced that diplomatically they will boycott <laughs> the event. So what this means... Very significantly. <laughs> right. But, but, but the, I mean, this to me is, uh, is very much just a, a move to be seen to be doing something rather than actually doing anything. But to confirm... I, I didn't know you diplomatically supported the, the Olympic Games. Well, I, I had no idea. So what this means is that when these events happen, be the Olympics, Commonwealth Games... These major sporting events are usually accompanied by diplomatic parties who also go over ah. with the team and then have like meetings 
with the country, the host country, whilst the event is happening. Right. That's that's what it that's what it means, which I didn't realize. I guess that makes sense. I should have I should have assumed that's what was going on. Right. So the U.S. Uh, first of all came out and said. Okay, we're not doing that. We're not sending our our party because we don't want anything to do with China based on the alleged human rights abuses. I don't abuses. want to be in a photo with them. And, uh, I don't like that. And what an independent UK body said this week was the genocide of the uh, Uyghur Muslims in China. So the US were first, then the UK pulled out, then Canada pulled out, Australia pulled out. Uh, all citing these human rights concerns. Right. And then France came along and said, we won't be doing that because um, it's, meaningless. it's pointless. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like, I agree. If you want to, <laughs> just, just don't send your athletes. If, if you want to say, like, we're pulling out of the Winter Olympics, uh, don't go skiing there. Yep. So, like, yeah, he's right. They, they should do more. But the answer isn't like, you guys aren't doing enough. I'm going to do nothing. France, if they're willing to say that, they should get their they should get their snowboards packed back into their cupboards for the next four years. Well, and that's the thing. I think all the nations were saying, look, it's it's fine if the athletes want to go because you know they've been training for this, but we're not going. They're just athletes, well, precisely, and they're the, they're the important people. Yeah, but no, really, we should be boycotting this stuff, and we should be putting pressure on them via taking away their income through this, these kinds of things, and via taking away their influence in these kinds of ways. But we shouldn't be sending our athletes. But but that also takes away then the income and the the livelihoods of these these athletes. Then pay them with what money? <laughs> we should just give them some money. We've got lots of money. We should just give. If we're like, hey, we you would have made like you would have made how many grand by going there? Here, this many grand, or by winning. We just give it to them and say, we're giving you this because we don't support China. <laughs> and they'd say, hey, I still want to go. You might, yeah. I think you'd, you'd have to, if, if we'd officially withdrawn, you'd probably have to go into, as an independent athlete or something like that. I think there is that option always. Um, but like, really, like that is the move. It's not to just say that there's nothing to do and this isn't significant enough. It's about time countries started doing things. And China clearly care because they're saying like, hey, don't you be making any mistakes right now? They're kind of treating you like an yeah, yeah. overbearing parent. They're, they're they're doing all the parent warnings, like, "Hey, you'll be doing dishes for a week if you step outside that door." Um, so, do be- you want to go home early? Exactly. So, because China are saying that stuff, we know they care. So, we could be affecting them by doing a stronger show of force here and not just not sending the the tofties. Uh, and just before we finish up with our final story, I've just got a BBC News alert which says. The UK has reported its highest number of daily coronavirus cases since the pandemic began. Oh. With 78,000 positive tests. I did not so know there we go. That, that happened in the UK. I know Scotland today or yesterday was at two thirds of its previous. Or No, sorry. Was it? I'll, I'll, I'll double check. That, well, that's now the highest from the UK as a whole. Yeah. So so the uh, UK, UK is ramped up. And I suspect well, it will keep going up. That's a that's a that's a high number, and it's not like a it's it's a, it's a steady incline. It's not a rapid incline, but it is steady. There there are now lots of people I know who have COVID. Yeah, and that that to me is always the the indicator of how many people do I know? Mm-hmm. At least half a dozen. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want it, and I don't want anyone to have it. Like until we prove that the vaccines and the treatment and stuff takes care of all of these secondary effects, stay away from it. I don't want to lose my sense of taste for for a few months. You know, I don't want to yeah. have brain fog for a year. I don't want to feel breathless climbing up the stairs. That stuff doesn't doesn't isn't guaranteed to 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 be dodged just because you're vaccinated. Sadly, much like the flu, you can still get the thing. It's just more mild. Indeed. Okay, one final story. 
It's the US actor Jussie Smollett who has been found guilty of lying to police, claiming that he was the victim of a racist, homophobic assault. So, wow, it's, yeah, wow, it's, that was that's taking us back. Wild, yeah. So the 39-year-old stood by his denials that he staged the attack against himself, <laughs> and uh, prosecutors countered that he had lied for hours on the stand as he repeated what he said to Chicago police. He was found guilty of five counts of disorderly conduct, uh, with each carrying a penalty of up to three years in prison, but given his lack of previous convictions and the fact that he is uh, a, a gay actor, I presume he will just get probation or a much lighter Some, sentence. He'll, yeah, he'll, he'll get a lighter sentence for sure. Yeah, like, but, you know, he might see a couple of months in jail. That would, be, that would be more than acceptable. But if you cast your mind back to almost three years ago now, it, we, I'm sure we, mu- we must have talked about it on the show at the time. Yeah, yeah. In January 2019, he was on the show Empire. And he told police he was the victim of an attack. He, he told them he was assaulted by two assailants who shouted slurs, yeah. shouted a, a Trump slogan, poured some sort of chemical substance on him and tied a noose around his neck whilst he was walking late at night. But then a month later... Yeah, having previously claimed to have had white powder sent to him in the mail right. in an attack. A month later, police then charged him with filing false reports. Uh, alleging he'd staged it. And then we had the uh, the brothers who uh, allegedly carried out said assault, Abimbola and Olabinjo Osindairo, who said that he had been paid, or they had been paid, yeah, um, almost uh, over six or over seven grand yeah. to, carry it out, to, to carry it out. And uh, Josie Smollett said, actually, it was for a meal and a workout plan. Yeah, no, yeah, reasonable, reasonable. Very expensive yeah. meal and workout plan. Workout plan for, for centuries. A centuries long workout plan. Uh, but yeah, no. Like, so I, I what, what's your take on all this? I thought that the evidence against him was pretty public and pretty obvious that he faked it. And therefore, the surprise for me is that he's still standing behind his story. Maybe he is still just hoping that enough denial will give him a, enough of a leeway to get back into acting with the heightened profile that the case has given him. Because his goal seems to be just giving himself more of a profile so that you can get paid better and stuff like that. Well, well that, that's what, apparently, as, as prosecutors were saying, he was dissatisfied with his salary, with his standing on Empire. He wanted a, a bigger, more high-profile position and, and a bigger salary and thought that this story would be one way of doing yeah, it. Yeah. Like which is hilarious. The, the really sad part for me, much like other stories of, like... Uh, messiah figures or whatever this version of a messiah is is that it is going to be latched onto as the public example of like see there is no racism in the world black people are not being treated uh, with inequality and there is no there's no racism against targeting anyone because there was this one major fake yeah yeah and whenever there is the big fake story people use it to to delegitimize every other very legitimate story. You see this with racism, you see it with uh, violence uh, on in homes, you see it with... and We see it with any systemic problem. People just point to the fake outrage story and go, and that means that all of them are fake. And it's just going to be sad because this is going to only prolong the existence of, of legitimate racist attacks and stuff like that. And that sucks. And the guy, the guy I think isn't ever going to get punished enough for the harm he has caused directly by doing this. Okay, that's a good place. Well, a very somber place at which to end the show. James, thank you very much for your time. Really interesting episode as ever. And dear listener, if you have similarly enjoyed James's contributions and the words that I said, (laughs) 
You can tell us about <laughs> that <laughs> at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or seesawparade at gmail.com or yeah. indeed chat the window and uh, shout at me if you've seen the sticker on the car and you happen to have been following me for the last uh, hour and 10 minutes. Especially if you've got your own sticker in your car. <laughs> Precisely. We can be sticker buddies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for steering the podcast well once again. Uh, you Colin. are welcome. Bye, James. Bye.